Hi everybody, it's Rob Reed and welcome to PlayerTrack.com podcast number 8. I've covered everything. I've covered the position players and the pitchers. I've done everything but the closers. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the PlayerTrack.com podcast. Still getting over this throat thing happening, but I found from last year I had the same problem, and I found a cough syrup. I think it's Tussin times 10 or something, and uh, hopefully that's going to help me out, but I had to restart recording this because I was sounding much like Dikembe Mutombo slash the Cookie Monster. So I, I, I'm sure that wouldn't be very comfortable for you to listen to. So we're back, and I always enjoy doing the closers uh, at the end because as we come closer and closer to the start of the season, the closers start solidifying. We still have a number of question marks. I probably will talk about them today. Uh, but the key today, what I'm going to be looking at from player track are the top closers in all of baseball with a minimum 10 innings pitched. And that really qualifies as any pitcher who got at least one save last year. So we'll be talking about some interesting players this uh, this podcast for sure. Standard 5-5 and from the year 2009. But before I get into that, Always more announcements. And I think I announced last week, if I didn't, uh, I will tell you and announce now. The people that are slated as closers will be marked in the rankings. And so you'll see them with a CL and it's blue and it's got a yellow background. That'll make it easier for you to spot. It'll make it easy for me because I'm excited. Tomorrow is my big money league draft. You know, the biggest draft I've been doing for the last 16 or so years. So it's it's always a special day for me. It's kind of like Christmas and I'm really really looking forward to it and hopefully this will get me back in my game with some closers. I also just got finished today with a draft in the fantasybaseballtrademarket.com premium league which features a number of folks uh john williams from advanced fantasy sports i think is his website and uh todd farino fantasy baseball search and there were a couple of others in there those are the two that stood out for me because they were doing the most actually john wasn't doing any talking but he was the one having trouble getting in on yahoo but yahoo their stuff uh, looks pretty good this year as well as espn's but i'm digressing so the big announcement that I have for the player track system is that by popular demand, I have finally added, I figured out the ability to import or export, whatever the right word is, to export player track rankings, in particular the overall rankings. If you make your customized rankings or if you have a standard 5.5 ranking, you can take that. You'll see in the upper right-hand corner is a new thing for people that are registered users. And the premium users can make their customized overall ranking based on any number of 41 categories. And you can then export those results uh, into your Excel spreadsheet for the first time. And and I've had at least 10 people in the last uh, two years ask me about that. And so I figured, well, let me try and see if I can find something online that will allow me to do it. And I figured out a way to do delimited text files that can be imported into Excel. And I did a video on that that you can see at the playertrack.com blog. So with that announcement out of the way, let's go into the top closers in all of baseball from the year 2009. Standard 5-5, minimum 10 innings. Now, I'm not one of those guys who likes to draft closers early. Um... 
And that's just because, you know, it's a single category. In my money league, it used to be a bigger deal because we had stri- our category, instead of strikeouts, was strikeouts per nine innings pitched. Certainly, if you have strikeouts per nine innings pitched as a category, saves or, or closers, rather, become very, very valuable. Otherwise, they're really like a stolen base specialist, you know, like uh, uh, a Michael Bourne type, but, you know, just with, with pitching. But it's still nice to have the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop from last season, of course, was, you know, Rob Reed, the homer of the Los Angeles Dodgers, was Jonathan Broxton. Jonathan Broxton, everything to like, in particular, was the 13.5 strikeout per non-inning rate, his 3.93 strikeout per walk rate, allowed less than half a home run per nine inning was the ratio, a batting average on balls in play of 260, a FIP of 2.03, with the actual ERA of 2.61. What that means to me is he actually could be much better. The strikeouts look great. The thing that made him so valuable, even as an overall pitcher, was the fact that he was able to snag seven wins. So the 36 saves, while they may not have been the best, he was in wins fifth of 122 results here that we have who had at least one save last season in the majors. So Jonathan Broxton is here to stay. Obviously, everyone that I've seen still thinks that he's the number one guy because he seems to be taken over even Papelbon and Mariano Rivera. Um, and, of course, he's only 26 years old, so you put that in the mix. He's got many, many years to go for this Dodger fan. I'm excited if the Dodgers will put out money when his contract's up. And, yeah, I, nothing wrong with Jonathan Broxton. Would love to have him. Number two, though, the rookie of the year for the American League last year, Andrew Bailey. Andrew Bailey in the Fantasy Baseball Index magazine. You've heard me say before that I'm listed as an expert there, right next to Ron Chandler. It's like my 15 minutes of fame continued for two years in a row. It just uh, The only requirement was that I buy an ad in the magazine. That's between you and me. If you want to get in there and you have a blog, Buy an ad in there and you might become an expert. Thank you to the folks at Fantasy Baseball Index, though. I love the magazine. It's uh, very, very cool. It's got uh, Albert Pujols on the cover this year. I will be. It is my exclusive magazine I'll be using tomorrow in addition to the playertrack.com system. But anyway, back to number two, Andrew Bailey, 26 years old also, just like Jonathan Broxton, and just was stellar. Certainly not as stellar in terms of strikeout rate like Broxton, but it still was 9.83. The thing that scares me about Andrew Bailey is he sort of, you know, he pitched in 68 games last season. And what I said about him on December 23rd, 2009, which was about the same time that I had picked him in Fantasy Baseball Index as being the AL player who is going to have the sophomore slump, most likely. Now, I think he was deserving of the American League Rookie of the Year. I'm not going to say that. So the question is, this is what I said December 23rd on, in his player profile. Why am I pegging Andrew Bailey as one who we can expect to get the sophomore jinx? Well, he had a 10% strand rate that was higher than league average and a ridiculously low batting average on balls in play. It was 217. Okay. Uh, his strikeout rate was awesome, so he won't be horrific. And he, so as a result, he could keep the closer job all year. But he has nowhere to go but down. I really believe that. Brad Ziegler is waiting in the wings. And another guy who I actually will talk about in the top 10 was a very effective pitcher 
in middle relief for Oakland last year, a guy by the name of Michael Wirtz, that if you have some need for uh, middle relief, the middle relief closers or relievers I've talked about before uh, in previous years can be very valuable elements of a lineup, in particular if they get uh, decent strikeouts and if they, in particular, have a decent ERA and whip, especially at the end of the year when you don't want your pitchers uh, who may be tiring or may be on teams that aren't in contention, if you have one or two middle relievers to pop in there in place of some uh, some starters that you might have, it is an effective way to close out very nicely and not hurt your whip and ERAs that badly. I will be talking about Michael Wartz shortly after the third guy I'm going to talk about. So that's about all I'm going to say on, on Andrew Bailey. Simply, I am not that excited about owning him and and really have avoided him in every single draft that I participated in. He still he could be great. His FIP was 2.66, ERA though 1.84. So contrary to Jonathan Broxton, who's fielding independent pitching, that means just considering uh, you know not considering the defense, he would have he should have had a better ERA than he did. Andrew Bailey should have been much worse. And if if Andrew Bailey has an ERA in the threes, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be incredibly surprised. It's also worthy of note that he has suffered from tennis elbow, so he's had some delay in the spring. I don't like to pay a lot of attention to the spring, so you may not hear me say a lot of stuff about that. One day ago, the news that I read was that he did have a bullpen session, and it went well, uh, didn't have any uh, major problems. I do want to look real quickly at at his uh, career in the minor leagues. As a 26-year-old, his only statistics that I have in player track are from last season, so he finally got his cup of coffee last year, and boy, was it amazing. But in 2008, he spent the entire year in AA, okay? And that was 110.1 innings, and his ERA, 4.32. The number of home runs that he allowed in 110 innings, 13. The number of strikeouts, 110. So that's good. You know, you gotta, the strikeout rate is good. You got to like that. But the ERA does not spell wonderful things. You know, it was his career in three minor league seasons is 3.5 ERA. Uh, I don't have the figure on the whip, but he, he allowed 130 walks and uh, 100 and, or 239 hits. So we're looking at like 306. Not too bad. Maybe like 1.2s. So... Yeah, I, I see it here. It's 1.26. So I, if you want to take a gamble on him, fine. It's not really a gamble. He could be very solid. But if you expect to get anywhere close to 1.84 ERA, I don't think it's going to happen. If you are ready to see a 3.3 or so ERA from Andrew Bailey, okay, you can expect that. Don't be surprised if somehow you're expecting better than that. Someone who's a big question mark for me comes in at number three. Somebody who I could have kept this year in my money league for tomorrow's draft for 11 bucks, And the reason that I didn't keep Heath Bell was because of the rumors that in midseason is probably going to be traded. Uh, there is a fight there in Minnesota, uh, potentially, between John Roush and uh, Matt Guerrier, if I'm pronouncing that right. G-U-E-R-R-I-E-R is the latest news I read about that. Or it very well could be a closer by committee scenario there. I think John Roush is the better bet, and I may be talking about him later, may not. But what got me potentially excited about Heath Bell, like I mentioned in the last podcast, which caused me, 
caused me pause. I paused and thought, well, maybe I should keep Heath Bell because maybe the Twins are going to pick him up. It doesn't look like they're going to try. Um, I think it might be a scenario where San Diego feels they're not going to get enough because Heath Bell has plain and simply been a very solid closer. 42 saves, I think, led the uh, National League in saves last year. And I have been high on Heath Bell the last few years. He did have, after the 2007 season, we had 93.2 innings pitched. I started doing podcasts in the preseason last year, 2008, just before 2008. Well, actually, two years ago. Sorry, I'm losing track of time. Time machine. And he had a 2.02 ERA in 2007. Uh, Barely had any saves. He had uh, two saves there. But he had 34 holds, a whip that was below one. It was .96. The thing that people flagged there was the fact that his batting average on balls in play was only .242, which was lower than what folks would expect from him. The nice thing, though, was that he had an increase of his strikeout per nine to almost 10 per nine innings. He had 102 strikeouts in 93 innings, 93 and two-thirds innings. The six wins certainly helped there in the 2.02 ERA. He comes back. He came back in 2008. And was still a pretty effective pitcher, but not that effective. The whip went up to 1.21. The ERA was 3.58. And I was hoping that somehow he was going to get the job there, that that Trevor Hoffman was going to get traded then in, in 2008. And it just didn't happen. He was always waiting in the wings. And finally, at the end of 2008, Trevor Hoffman gets traded to the Brewers. And all systems are go for Heath Bell. And I thought, well... The strikeout rate at 8.19 in 2008 was a fall from 2007, but it was still pretty good. His FIP was below the 3.580 ERA that he had at 3.29. And I thought, well, we could get a low three, or I could keep into the 2009, because I bought Heath Bell for a buck in 2008, hoping that Hoffman was going to get traded, and he didn't uh, in 2008. So I was able to keep him for six bucks, and I thought for six bucks I could get 30 saves and I could get a low three ERA, which is probably worth it. And he was much better. And I got the 42 saves from him last year, a 2.71 ERA, and only a 1.12 whip in a 69.2 innings pitch, 79 strikeouts. So very solid. And Heath Bell will remain one of the solid picks, but I'm probably going to be avoiding him simply for the basis that I seem to be a magnet for those closers who get traded midseason and end up being middle relievers and then I totally lose out. And that's all I'm saying. It's not to say I won't get Heath Bell. Somehow I can get Heath Bell for under 10 bucks. I think I'm crazy not to take him, at least for the first half. But I'm not expecting 42 saves. And I am expecting the possibility that he won't be getting saves in the second half, perhaps going to a contender who always already has a solid reliever and will just be in middle relief setting up. Number four is the aforementioned Michael Wirtz. Now, looking at the detailed statistics, he kind of looks like uh, Heath Bell did in 2007. His whip was .95 with a batting average on balls in play of only .256, which was pretty low. A K through nine of 11.7, 102 strikeouts and 78.2 innings pitched, which, ma- which makes Michael Wirtz very attractive. And to be honest, I think he's somebody that I very well may peg. And so the folks in my money league have less than 24 hours to listen to this podcast and hear that I may be pegging him in the end game. There's nobody that's going to have Michael Wirtz on their list, on, on the tip of their tongue, if you will. But his FIP, 2.48, was better than his 2.63 ERA. In holds leagues, I mean, Michael Wirtz is a no-brainer. He did have four cheap saves last season, but the strikeouts look 
very interesting to me. Over on player track, when we consider all pitchers together, ranked together, he actually was the 23rd overall pitcher. So Michael Wartz is one of my sleeper picks uh, for that middle reliever spot, like I talked about, that could really be good for you in the end game if you're near the top of the rankings in pitching or if you're in the standings, if you're close to winning that league, Michael Wartz, I think at the end of the year, may be a nice player to sort of slot in there so some of your weaker starters won't kill you. Number five is that 40-year-old dude, that old man who seems to have been around forever for the Yankees, Mariano Rivera, who once again had an absolutely amazing season. Sub-1 whip, a .9 whip, 1.76 ERA, 44 saves. Uh, Why does he uh, come up a little bit less than some of the other guys? It it was his uh, strikeouts this time. The strikeout rate is no longer there, and he's 40 years old. You know, what, what do we want? And he only had three wins and three losses. At 40 years old, the strikeout rate... Actually, it was still pretty good. Uh, now, looking at it, I think I was looking at something else, a little different, so I'm sorry for that. His strikeout rate's still pretty solid, but the thing that is the red flag for me about Mariano Rivera, now remember in 2007, he had a 3.15 ERA, and that was when he had a strand rate of 73%. The strand rate that he had in 2006 was 84%. It was 85% in 2005. He comes out last year and gets a strand rate of 93%. Now, usually his batting average in balls in play, it looks like it's average in the last few years, about 240-ish, high 240s maybe. And so his batting average in balls in play last season was 244. That isn't unusual, but the strand rate is. And if we look at Mike, uh, Mariano Rivera's fil- fielding independent pitching, the FIP, it was 2.94, which was over a full run over his 1.76 ERA. So... Mariano has nowhere else to go but down. I don't think it'll be very far down. Mariano is certainly a closer that I'm scouting and looking for and very excited about, um, quite frankly. So don't. what I'm saying is we can expect regression. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a low 3 ERA for Mariano next year, but he plays on a great team. He's going to have a ton of save opportunities. And you know, 40 saves is still very much a save per year that he's been alive. Uh, Mariano is just a, a really a kind of a freak in nature when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because still just a very solid guy all the way around. So I, I'm not talking down on him. Guy I'm obviously talking down on is number six, Joe Nathan. Joe Nathan out for the season. Tommy John surgery went well. He's 35 years old anyway. So. He's he's on the downside of his career potentially too. This was a big big setback for him. Like I said, in Minnesota, we're looking at John Roush, potentially Matt Guerrier, uh, and sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And I won't talk about Joe Nathan all that much. He is undraftable as far as I'm concerned, unless it's a keeper league, which my money league is. But I won't even throw a dollar at him. We don't even know when he's going to be back next year. It could be as late as mid season. We'll just have to keep monitoring that situation and of course I wish Joe Nathan well he would have been one of the top closers drafted this year if the Tommy John situation did not happen to him number seven is a guy that I'm not happy about uh, or do not really want just that peripherals are not that sexy uh, in fact they indicate to me that uh, I, I don't think that we've got as solid a pitcher here as maybe the statistics indicate Brian Wilson comes in at number seven 
The puzzle with Brian Wilson is he's gone from 2006, a 6.9 strikeout per nine inning in 30 innings, and brought it all the way up to 10.3 from last season. So that's a plus. But that last year puts him only one year removed from a 4.62 ERA. Now, granted, he had 41 saves, but that's still going to be, and not only that, but a 1.44 whip. So I look at that. And I go, well, what happened? Well, the batting average on balls in play from 2008 was 314. And it was only 298 last year. And that was still above league average. But for a closer, seeing a batting average on balls in play that high really means that he, he probably puts too many balls over the plate. You know, I, that, that's just my feeling. A, he did have on the positive a FIP that was better than his 2.74 ERA. The FIP was 2.56. But the FIP in 2008 was only 3.86. The strand rate was something that may have uh, affected him in 2008, being as it was only 72%, and last season it was 78%, which was the same strand rate that Brian had in 2007. The, the thing is, uh, it's it just something about Brian, and it maybe it's just that you know I'm a Dodger fan and I don't like the Giants. Maybe that's the thing. But a 4.62 ERA, 1.44 WHIP in one year, converting to 2.74 ERA with a 1.20 WHIP, and I, I'm, you know, I'm still scratching my head, and I'm not sure that those are the kind of statistics that you get. Only 28 years old, so certainly that's the plus. Uh, that's about all I'll say on him. Somebody who's turning 27, I can see the big 27 in his uh, in his name, right under his name in the rankings, is Houston Street. Now, Houston Street will probably miss the first month of the season, so we're going to be looking at uh, Franklin Morales as the backup there. So you want to grab him if you're going to go after Houston Street, maybe in the end game. Hopefully somebody doesn't take him away from you because you're going to want to get save opportunities while Houston is repairing himself. Last season, Houston uh, had a nice, nice season as far as what other people were thinking about. He was the closer for the A's for a while, and he was pretty darn decent. But then all of a sudden, in 2008, 3.73 ERA had seemed to have some issues of control, a 1.21 whip there that jumped up from the .94 whip that he had in 2007, and it prompted folks to say, you know, what happened? 3.73 3.73 ERA in 2008, he didn't look like closer material. His strikeout rate dropped from 2007, it was 11.3, and went to 8.87. The plus for Houston his last year went back up over 10. He had 70 strikeouts and 61 and two-thirds innings. He had four cheap wins and 35 saves. All very good. The thing that doesn't bode very well for Houston, though, was a two thirty eight batting average on balls in play that he had last season, which was just slightly over what it was in 2005 when he had a 1.72 ERA in 78 innings. So that's good. But those were the luck factors of his last five years of statistics here because I'd say his average batting average on balls in play probably resides somewhere in the high 260s to 270s, which means, in my opinion... That the ERA that ERA that we saw from uh, from Houston last season is probably an aberration, and is probably going to be more like the FIP that we saw in 2008, which was 3.5. Especially being in Colorado, and I know Colorado is in the same place, but you know, being in Mile High Stadium, there's still balls that carry a little bit farther than they might somewhere else, and um, he's a cause for concern 
Is he a guy that I would try and avoid? No, none of these guys are. Again, the bottom line with save guys is I want to get saves. So I'm just looking for any saves. If I can get some cheap, you know, Octavio Dotel is a great strikeout pitcher, but he's going to be with Pittsburgh. So what are the chances he gets 30 saves? Maybe not that high. Although when Pittsburgh wins, it's going to be one of those rare situations this year, I think. So he's a guy that I like. I actually drafted Dotel in the Bloomberg League that I've talked about before as my third closer. And I mentioned him as one of my regrets because I'm not sure that he's that great. And I don't think he's on the list of people that I would be talking about today, but I'm bringing him up in case you're going to be drafting because he is someone that you can get in the latter part of the closer draft, uh, you know, the, the latter closers that are taken. Uh, somebody who comes in uh, right after Houston Street is a guy I really like who may very well make the rotation. You can email me at robatplayertrack.com if he has made the rotation. I'm talking about Phil Hughes. I haven't heard that news. I haven't looked yet. I should before the Money League draft tomorrow. But he had a solid year in middle relief last season and seems to be a better pitcher when he's in the relief situation rather than in the starting situation because he's been pretty much horrific. In, as a starter for the Yankees. But he's only 24 years old. If he does get a starting gig, he's definitely somebody to look at. If he doesn't, he might be somebody that uh, the Yankees may consider as a potential closer because the strikeout per nine last season was 10, which was very good. A 1.12 whip, 3.03 ERA. He was able to scrape out eight wins, which is what make, brings him up so high here and uh, 18 holds that he had. So I bring in him up because not necessarily because he's going to get saves, but because he was so good, a pitcher that you might want to consider, if he, especially if he's in that middle relief role that kind of matches a Michael Wartz. Much like number 10 here, J.P. Howell of Tampa, who turns 27 this year, actually on my birthday. I'm looking at April 25th. So happy birthday, my friend J.P. Howell coming up. Well, you can wish me one as well. The thing with J.P. last season, a strand rate of 84%, which was a substantially higher uh, than the average of the, the folks who were seeing. The benchmark here among all of these pitchers, 112 pitch, 122 pitchers, is averaging 60 innings pitched, 25 earned runs, which uh, comes in out as a 3.61 ERA, 53 strikeouts, uh, about 8.05 strikeout per nine, a 1.32 whip, and 10 saves and nine holds is what we have there. 76% strand rate. So the fact that JP had an 84% strand rate, almost 10% above, is definitely cause concern. But his strand rate in 2008 was 85%. So that could be a skill set, except for the fact that he had a 2.22 ERA in 2008 that went up to 2.83. His FIP in 2009 was 3.68. Uh, the b batting average on balls in play the last two seasons is averaged about 245. That doesn't appear to be a major aberration. And the plus with JP is that his uh, strikeout rate went up over one strikeout per nine. That's awesome. And his whip went down just slightly. His average whip the last two seasons, 1.12. You got to like that. So JP Howell, a nice middle relief option for you. Number 11, Matt Thornton. Similar kind of situation there. You'll leave that up to you to look at because I'm going to move on to people who are actually closers. Mike Gonzalez moving to Baltimore. Number 12 had a great season as well. A whip of 1.11 last season. The thing that makes me scared and uh, I did draft Mike Gonzalez in that draft today for Fantasy Baseball Trade Market. But now that I'm looking again, his strand rate last season, 87%. That is really scary, folks. When we take the fact that he had a 4.28 
ERA in 33 innings the previous season. But when he was with Atlanta and closing for them, and I think that might have been uh, in 2006, if memory serves, I'm looking back, it doesn't have teams here at player track. He did have a 10.7 strikeout per nine. In 2008, in 33 innings, he had 11.8 strikeout per nine. Last season, 10.9. So the strikeouts are really nice there. The thing is that in 2006, when he had 2.17 ERA, his whip was 1.35. The whip was 1.35 in 17 innings in 2007. So anything can really happen here. Because like I said with Garrett Atkins in the past, Garrett Atkins is one of my sleeper picks, who, by the way, I also got in that draft today, and I'm probably going to end up getting tomorrow in the end game. We'll see. Some Anybody in the uh, in my league listens to this. He's going uh, at the start of the at the, at the draft for $5, and I'm going to end up having to pay some cash for old Garrett. But the reason I like Garrett is because he's going to Baltimore. Baltimore was a better home run ballpark than Coors. You know, so that says a lot. So with Mike Gonzalez, though, moving to a, gr- a pretty good hitter's ballpark in terms of power, that's got to be scary. Seven home runs he allowed last season in 74.1 innings. So that's a number that could go up and definitely uh, buyer beware on Mike Gonzalez. He may not appear as high here. The guy who I said is most likely to lose the closer job by the end of the season, David Ardsma. And I guess I say that with David Ardsma mainly just because of vibe. You know, I mean, Mike Gonzalez, after looking at doing that analyst, analysis, sorry, it may be him, you know, but I just, it was just a vibe with David Ardsma I threw out there um, because he, he walks way too many people. I mean, last season, although his whip was 1.16 last season, he walked 4.29 per nine was the average that David Ardsma had. A batting average on balls in play of 251. He ended up with a, a ERA of 2.52 with a 3.12 FIP last season. And I think it might have been the fact that his ERA before last season, in the seasons that we've kept track here, was never below 4.08. And that was in 2006. I think that's exactly what I was thinking about. In 2008, he pitched 48 and two-thirds and had an ERA of 5.55 with a whip of 1.73, which was the exact same whip that he had in 2007. So is Ardzuma this kind of player? Well, his strand rate in 2006, when he had a 4.08 ERA, which was his lowest before last year, was 79%. Then it was 65%, 68%, and last season was 81%. Plus for him, as he had the 10.1 strikeout per nine, that's nice. There were decent peripherals there. And he very well may keep the job, but I see nothing but regression in ERA and certainly whip for David Ardsma. And he's probably a guy, as a result of his historical whip, which is easily in like the 1.5, 1.6 for a career, makes it very difficult for me to want to grab a closer like this. Number 14 doesn't have the CL next to him, but it looks like the news says that he is going to be the closer for Toronto is Jason Fraser. It's still up in the air. Kevin Gregg in the wings there. Scott Downs in the wings there. In uh, the Bloomberg League, I drafted Jason Fraser, hopefully hoping that he would be the slated closer. And then shortly after that, he gave up four runs in a, in a single inning. And it didn't look very good for me, but Cito Gaston just came out and indicated that Jason's the man. Um, Kevin Gregg certainly had closing experience for Chicago, not a bad pitcher. So that this is certainly not a solid 
pick. But Jason Fraser coming in as the 14th pitcher in the capacity of middle reliever, he did have 11 saves last season. He had seven wins, 56 strikeouts in 57 and two-thirds innings, a batting average in balls and play 250, and a strand rate of 80%. Fairly solid pitcher all the way around. His FIP, though, was 2.99, and that was higher than his actual ERA. So that is some cause for concern. And he is 33 years old, which is a little older than, than I at least thought. So take that into account. But he has been pitching for a while, so that you could take that into account also as, as a mature pitcher who may cruise just nicely in the closer role. Number 15 is a guy who I am very solid about. And this is Kansas City's Joaquin Soria. But again, like I said about Dotel, you know, is he going to get 30 saves? Well, Soria was a guy who was drafted very high in the closer spot because he was so effective uh, the previous season. In 2008, he had 42 saves. And a lot of people were thinking good things about Kansas City that just didn't happen last season. And he ended up with only 30 saves. There's a drastic thing that happened between 2008 and 2009 for Joaquim Soria. And that was, in 2008, the batting average on balls and play 200. A strand rate of 90%, with the ERA of 1.60 and 0.86. So it was easy to see there was nothing but regression there. But everything else was pretty solid. That It, it indicated that with an 8.82 strikeout per 9, that he was still a decent pitcher. And I didn't see that there'd be a lot of regression there. And that's what happened. A 2.21 ERA and a 1.13 whip last season, but his strikeout rate went up. His strikeout rate went up almost three from 2008 to 2009, which is a lot to yell and scream about, and what's even more to yell and scream about is as good as he was, notwithstanding only getting the 30 saves for Kansas City last season, was his batting average in balls and play was 302 last season. It was 246 in 2007, so I'd say we're more likely to expect a 246. And I also think that what we see here in his in his peripherals uh, or in his, his ERA could be a little bit better. We could see more like a 1.9, and I think we could see like about a flat one whip from him. The question is just going to be whether you're going to get those saves. So Soria is a guy who I like a lot, and uh, gosh, I, I'm trying to remember what his. Uh, Oh, the Mexicutioner was his <laughs> nickname. I love that nickname. One of my favorite nicknames in all of baseball. Number 16, old man, 42 years old in October last year. So he's coming in this season 42, but he's still trucking away, is Trevor Hoffman. And I want to uh, take a look at the Major League Baseball site, MLB.com, and check out the Brewers who's waiting in the wings there in case he loses it, which, you know, it could happen. It looks like it's Todd Coffey there, maybe Latroy Hawkins, who does have experience. I know there was talk last season of Villanueva uh, maybe used in the closer spot. So those are people you may want to think about. But Todd Coffey in the Major League Baseball depth charts is right behind Trevor Hoffman setting him up. So that is a possibility. But Trevor comes out 37 saves last season. A guy who I was pretty much trying to avoid last year because I thought at some point in time he's got to break down. And he was coming from Petco. He's coming from the great pitcher's ballpark in San Diego to a hitter's ballpark in Milwaukee and Miller Ballpark. So I, I was expecting pretty nasty things. What happened 
was that Trevor had a great batting average in balls in play last season of 224 and a strand rate of 82%, which was his highest since 2006, and that translated to the 1.83 ERA and a .91 whip. I think the 3.77 ERA that he had in 2008 could very well be closer to what we can expect, maybe like 3.5-ish and a 1.1 whip is what I would suspect out of him. So keep that in mind, but he is just... As far as a closer, is he just gets his saves. 37 last year, 30 in 2008, 42 in 2007, 46 in 2006. So, like I said, the only thing I worry about for him is age and breaking down. Jonathan Papelbon finally comes in. Now, Papelbon was a number one closer for a lot of folks, drafted probably before anybody else. I remember him... Uh, getting up there along with Joaquim and certainly Mariano getting drafted very early. He's, he did get his uh, saves, 38 saves last year, but he his peripherals were just not as good as they had been before. The reason why he comes in lower here, because I'm looking at peripherals, and I said that to just sort of explain why his ranking was so low, his peripherals are still okay. The FIP was 298 which is a cause for concern when his ERA is 1.85, and he's never had an ERA that was anywhere close to 2.98. So it looks like he may be breaking down there. But his strikeout rate went up slightly from 2008 to 2009, so that is definitely a plus. The thing was his strand rate was 90% versus the 79% that he had in 2008. I I would expect a whip very similar to 2009, 1.15, and an ERA of about 2.3 like he had in 2008, a combination of 2008 and 2009, I would say. But why Jonathan falls down here is really just an element of one of those luck factors, I think, with these kind of pitchers, of whether they get opportunities to win. And Papelbon just went 1-1 one and one last season and went 5-4 and four the previous season, but only getting one win versus these other players you know, Trevor had three wins last year, and Joaquim had three wins last year. Jason Fraser, seven wins last year. So Papabon's one win put him at night, tied for 95th out of 122 players here, and that really knocked him down. He still is pretty high. If we don't take that into account, I would. Papabon is a guy that I still would love to have this year. Valverde moves to Detroit. He comes in at number 18, and he's definitely a guy that I like as well. Pretty high strand rate, relatively low batting average on balls in play, though. The ERA last season, 2.33, a 3.41 FIP, though. And remember that Valverde's moving from Houston, the National League, to the American League, Detroit. He could get hit around a little bit. He is 32 years old, and so that would be the only caution that I'd have for him. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit. Madsen comes in at number 20, who I think is good insurance. If you're going to draft Brad Lidge, who was horrific last year, over a 7 ERA, he seems to be real confident this year. More power to him. I got Brad Lidge as my own, in a National League only as my only closer, but I made sure that I got Madsen as insurance. I felt terrible, but they, they went so fast, the closers, and I didn't keep up, and he was the only guy left. So what can you do? Rafael Soriano comes up next. Pretty decent statistics moving to Tampa, uh, getting into that role uh, where there's going to be a, a lot. There's a lot of pressure on Tampa to perform well because they were disappointing a lot of folks last season after that amazing Cinderella season in 2008. So, you know, I like him as an option. Ryan Franklin will be the closer in St. Louis. 
Uh, Brandon Lyon comes in. Remember, Matt Lindstrom is the guy that uh, is the man right now because Lyon is having some injury woes. Uh, but Lyon was is very well could get a lot of saves. You want to keep that in mind. Uh, Betancourt, Rafael Betancourt in Colorado is sort of a dark horse there. Todd Coffey. And moving on to, I'll just go through the list and look for more closers. The closer for Cincinnati, Francisco Cordero. Certainly K-Rod, remember him. Oh, how he's fallen in the ranks, and he had three wins. Uh, but a 1.31 whip, a 3.71 ERA, and his batting average and balls in play was th- pretty low, and uh, his strand rate was uh, about league average. So those figures are scary. Matt Guerrier comes in at 31, and uh, the thing about him, you know, why he's in the closer mix is probably because the statistics were reflective of a 209 batting average on balls in play last season and a 90% strand rate. Those figures I don't think are very good. His strikeout rate was only 5.54, and I'm going to quickly look at Roush. And again, this is for you're listening to me. This is for my education for tomorrow. I wonder what Roush's strikeout rate is. Well, it's not that much better, and it actually fell. It fell almost two strikeouts per nine last year, so that's cause for concern, especially because John is going to be turning 32 this year. He's 31 right now, and John's ERA has been pretty nasty, probably around a three six, as you can expect. Um, so that, that's going to be a tough call. But when John pitched for Arizona, he was not terribly bad in that role leo nunez will be the closer for florida not the worst option in the world but not uh, more like a last resort much like frank francisco marmol comes after frank francisco carlos marmol has a lot of control issues that's the name of the game with him a 1.46 whip last year with a 3.41 era those are terrible numbers the thing that's exciting about him is he's so dominating up there on the mound he strikes out a ton of people, 11.3 strikeout per nine. And uh, why not? I mean, he's a decent gamble. I like Carlos Marmol, but those those peripherals there, this particular that whip, are, is very scary. Bobby Jenks, his weight, scary. 3.71 ERA. His fit last season, 4.46. That's got to freak you out. Uh, moving on down, Kerry Wood, we know, is hurt. Looks like out for the first month or so. Chris Perez has taken over for him. Chad Qualls then appears here. Coming after him is Chris Perez. Uh, the, I'm just cruising down to see the closers. Brian Fuentes, the great thing about him is the number of opportunities he can potentially get at Anaheim, so that's what you want to keep track of. And continuing down the list here, Matt Caps, way down here. And continuing to move down, I haven't even seen Lidge. Ah, there you are, Lidge, 95th in this list. Matt Lindstrom, 99th. And I think that pretty much takes us to most of the closers, at least, that are stuck in here. The other ones seem to be uh, the closer by committee type situation, I think. I may have forgotten one or two. My dad's here. He just arrived. My dad is in my money league, so I've got to go join him. I wanted to make sure I got this out before I started uh, my draft. This was the last bit of preparation I'm going to do for myself. Please wish me luck. We will be having a single league. I haven't gotten a lot of interest. 
probably about four, as many as we get up to 15 players will be in the single player track league where the, the winner will win a full season of player track and second place is going to get a draft kit for next year. So it's really going to be a pride issue, but it will be a major source of discussion for me. I'm going to be talking about the moves that folks make. And in particular, I am looking for people who are inexperienced with fantasy. If you've been playing for one, two, three years and you need help or you're scary, you're gun shy, I'm here to answer your questions, Rob at playertrack.com and, and playertrack.com for only $9.99 for your drafts if you have one coming up can only make you better because it does all the work for you. And if you're into Excel spreadsheets, we can now do that with the overall ranking. So I'm so excited. So that will cover it for the podcast here on Closers. You can always post in the blog where I, where I put up the podcast players that I forgot, or if you have any questions about some of the the folks who may be closing, feel free to put it on up there. And uh, that's it. So good luck if you're drafting this weekend. Good luck if you're drafting next weekend. I will have another podcast going next week to talk about my fantasy drafts, to talk about where I thought I did good, where I did poorly, and, and all that good stuff. And probably to talk about at that point, the draft that's coming up. The draft for Player Track will probably be within the next few weeks. So you want to get in now, send me an email, Rob at playertrack.com. And again, sign up at playertrack.com. We get updates on the month. The next update will be May 1st, June 1st, the All Star break, then July 1st, then August 1st, September 1st, closes it out. And so you can get updates and see who are the hot players, who are the players that are likely to get better, who are the players who are likely to get worse based on some of the peripherals. And it's proven very helpful for me and a lot of other people through the course of the season. Thank you for listening. I'm Rob Reed of PlayerTrack.com, and I will be talking to you again soon.